Would he die tonight? The thought flickered in my mind as I dabbed at a brown stain on the emperor's chin. He did not respond, not even to twitch his lips or blink. He lay there, his mouth open, his gaze fixed on the ceiling. The right side of his face was a ruinous pool of skin, and his good left eye was opaque, like a marble that the light of candles failed to penetrate. Now and then there seemed to be a spark in that eye, as though his old valor was struggling to come to life, to surface, to fight the fate that conquered him. But the light flashed like a fish in a murky pond. It was there, swimming, but it did not come up to the surface, not even for a breath of air. He did not see me. He was gone, I could tell. A once powerful whirlwind of wrath and will, now a bag of slackened skin, a shell of vaunting vanity. I straightened, and an ache shot through my back. How long had I been kneeling at the bedside, watching him? I could not remember. All of us, the talents, the graces, and the beauties, once the bedmates of the emperor, had been his caretakers for the past ten months. Every day we took turns feeding him, cleaning him, for he had long ago lost the ability to control his fluids, and carefully we watched him, listening to his every labored breath and every painful groan. When the emperor had announced Pheasant as the heir of the kingdom last year, he had been frail, and he had collapsed a few days later, shaken by the mysterious hand that had tormented him all these years. Writhing, gushing white foam from his mouth, he fell out of a stretcher on the way to his bedchamber and had not wakened since. The water dropped in the water clock beside me. Nine. Where were they? They must hurry. I rose, patting the side of my cloudy chignon, the elaborate hairstyle I had finally mastered. A few strands had fallen on my shoulders, and the loose knot that should have sat on the top of my head had slumped sadly to my right ear. I wished I could make myself look more presentable, but we were not allowed to leave the chamber. The physicians had ordered me and the other talents to stay with the emperor at all times. I had not bathed for two months, looked at myself in the bronze mirror, or put on my white face cream. My hair, which had once been soft and fragrant, now felt heavy and lumpy on my neck, and the green robe I wore had turned brown, stained with splashes of herbal remedies. The thought whispered to me again. I peered at him. What if he died tonight? What would happen to me and the other women who served him when he did die? I quickly smothered the thoughts. I should not think of those questions, for it was treason to ponder on the emperor's mortality. But all the titled women in the inner court must have wondered about their fate these months while he lay there unresponsive. After all, it was the unspoken law that we, as the emperor's women, should never feel the warmth of another man's arms again after the emperor's death. There must have been a plan for us. Yet no one talked openly about it, even though the ladies gathered together in the courtyard every morning, whispering, their eyes misty with tears. I wished I could listen to the duke and the secretary, the two highest-ranking ministers, when they came to visit the emperor. But they had many important matters to discuss and did not seem to pay attention to us. And Pheasant. He was busy, too, and I had not yet had an opportunity to ask him about our fate.